Well, Melissa felt weird about giving announcements. Can imagine how I feel right now. <laughs> that was all really awesome, wasn't that? Let's give the Lord a big hand. You know, that word um, that somebody was given, who was it? Anyway, so many great words about the Lord's yoke being easy and His burden being light. I think that's a real word this morning for people is God really uh, wants to relieve you of being yoked to something that's really wearing you out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And if, if you're yoked to something that's wearing you out, you need to really consider the Lord's yoke this morning. In those old days, the way they trained an oxen, they'd put an old ox with a young, a young ox with an old broken-in ox. And, you know, the young ox would have to go where the old ox went. And... And the Lord's the old ox, right? And He wants us to be yoked to Him. And so life won't have to be so difficult for us. Life will be difficult, but it doesn't have to wear you out. You know what I'm saying? And that's the truth of the gospel. That's the gospel message that God wants to get through to people, that that His burden is, is light and His yoke is easy. And He's offering that to us this morning. Uh, if you don't know the Lord, um, He's offering that life to you right now. He's offering you the, the opportunity to have a different life than you've ever had in forever. And your life will change forever because the Lord will meet you and, and He will save you. And eventually you'll go to heaven, but He will begin to change your life today. And He will begin to speak to you and reveal Himself to you. That's what He does. He takes it upon Himself to reveal Himself to you. Don't look at other Christians of how they are, because most of them are bad examples, I think, of what the Christian life really is. Uh, but the Bible is a really great example of what the Christian life is. And I promise you, the Lord has a better life for you than you're living right now. I can tell you that right now. And... Um, and so I just wanted us to take a moment for, for you who may not know the Lord. And if, for the rest of you, if you're one of them bad example Christians that you're striving in your life and your life is not really working really great, I just want to offer you the opportunity to, right now to say to the Lord, I need you to help me, Lord. That's one of the greatest prayers that I've learned in my life is help me, Lord. Because the Lord is always responsive to me when I say help me, Lord. He always does. He always comes to me and, and offers his, his help, His helping hand in my life. And if you'll ask the Lord to help you this morning, He will help you. And all you have to do is let Him help you in His way. Don't try to force God to help you the way you think He should help you. Many times I've tried to get the Lord to do what I thought He was supposed to do. Like, this is what I need help with. I need you to do this, this, and this. And He's like not interested like, this is what I'm going to do, Byron. If you want me to help you, this is what I'll do for you. And so I'd like for you this morning to close your eyes for a moment. And this, if you don't know Jesus Christ, all you had to do is say, help me, Lord, to know Jesus Christ. I want to give myself to Him in a full way. I want Him to come into my life. I want to, I want to be enveloped in Christ. I want to be in Him. I want Him to be in me. I want Him to save me from my life that I've led. I want Him to save me from the world. I want Him to save me from the devil. 
I want him to save me unto himself, unto his beautiful plan that he has for me. Just tell the Lord that. Even say that if you're already born again, uh, if you feel like you need that this morning. I need it. Lord, I need it. Thank you, Jesus. And if you can't remember all that, just say, help me, Lord. Just help me. I need your help, Lord. Think about the areas of your life where you need help. Your thoughts, your attitudes, your relationships, your finances. Please help me, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, amen. Well, I'm going to go. I got 25 minutes here. I can give you a little 25 minute message. I want to read Matthew 6 31 through 34. It's a great thing, a great word uh, that Jesus gave. He says, uh, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or, or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Uh, three things everybody's concerned about their food, their drink, and their clothing. Those are all natural needs that we need, we have to have to live on this earth. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. The Gentiles, you know, at that time, what he was speaking of was it was the people of the world. That's what they're seeking after. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. That's the Father's heart. He knows what you need. He knows the needs of man. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That's, that's what Jesus is saying. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So first this morning, he didn't say to us not to pray about your natural needs. He didn't say don't pray. Uh, if he did, he would have been contradicting himself just in a few moments when he said, give us this day our daily bread. Because... Daily bread literally means our daily needs. So he wasn't saying you don't need to pray about your natural needs, okay? But he was saying, I don't want you worrying about those things. Now, how many people in here are not guilty of worrying about these things? How many, raise your hand if you're not guilty of that. I didn't, well, there's a couple people. There's one older person who learned a hard way not to worry and one young person who's not been defiled. <laughs> by the world. Thank you, Lord. Um, so the Lord has given us a, an opportunity to learn about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom affects us in a personal and practical way. Okay? That's really what I believe is really vital for the American church to learn is... God is interested in your life, in your particulars of your life. Uh, that's part of what the kingdom is about. Now, I think most of the time when you think about the kingdom, or at least I do, you tend to think about miraculous works or healing or missions or evangelism, transforming the city, you know, all those kinds of things. And those are, those are a part of what the kingdom of God does. But there's another application to the kingdom that Jesus was talking about here. He was talking about how does it affect you and me day in and day out. Are you with me? How does the kingdom of God really, what does it do for me today? What is it going to do for me tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning? What is it going to do for me at work? Okay, it's, it, has a, it, it can have a profound impact on your life. Um, I'll be honest with you, okay, 
I'm really not interested in a Christianity that's really fun at church only. I'm not wanting to come to church and hoop it up and go home and be depressed. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to talk about, well, we're going to pray for the sick and we're going to do this and God's going to move, but I'm going home and raising hell with my family. Just being blunt with you. I'm just not really interested in that. I don't think God's interested in that. God's interested in every part of our lives. Okay? And God really wants to do something for people. He wants to really kind of mess your life up in a good way. Because He wants to change some things for people. He wants to get into your personal life in a personal way. He really does. And so he said, listen, don't really, he, he said, he gave instruction. This is what you should be seeking in your life. You should be seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's the first thing you need to be going after. I had a, a friend who wrote me an email. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia. And he's really a great guy. He loves the Lord, but he's kind of, he kind of, well, he doesn't have any education. He doesn't really have anything going for him really in the natural. So he doesn't, he can't seem to have a good job. Okay, and he, so he's not making a lot of money. And now his rent's going up, and he can't afford his rent. So he was saying, man, would you just pray for me that the Lord would give me a better job so I can pay my rent? You know, because I can't, I can't, even, he said, I can't even afford a, a car, so I need a job I can get to on foot or by bus. And I thought about it for a bit, and I thought, well, I'll pray for you, the Lord will give you a, a job. Because I, I believe the Lord wants to bless you with a good job. I, I said, but this is what I think the Lord really wants to do for you. I think the Lord wants to change the way you think. I think God wants you to start thinking like Ruth thought and Ruth too. Because they were poor as dirt. Ruth and Naomi, they were poor people. They had lost everything. They didn't have nobody to take care of them. And Ruth gets up and says, I'm going to go into the field of someone who's going to show favor on me. And Naomi said, go after it. I'm paraphrasing. That was her attitude. I'm going to go where there's favor. Okay, and so what does she do? She gets up and she marches out to the first field she runs into and she starts gleaming. Happens to be the richest man in the whole place, this field. And he sees her. And he says, who is this person? And they said, well, that's Ruth. And he said, make sure you throw a little extra out for her. That's what he said. And so she was gleaming, and he had a conversation with her later and said, you know, don't go anywhere else. Stay in my field. Stay with my women. And by the way, if any of these boys hit on you, I'll break their legs. <laughs> I think he already had an eye on her. Like he was saying, I, I don't mess with her. She's reserved. <laughs> and she wound up taking home enough that day food for three months. Because she believed something bigger than just getting a job so you could pay your dog a rent. You know, she believed something greater. And that's what Jesus was talking about, about seeking first the kingdom. There's something greater for us. Okay? It says, seek first the kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Anybody ever went to a vacation that was like Club Med? You know what Club Med is? You go, they got the food, they got the liquor if you drink liquor. Maybe you shouldn't be drinking liquor. <laughs> Anyways, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm just saying, that's how they think. I mean, they got the pool, and if they're really smart, they have goth outings for you. Everything's inclusive. You can just go there and have you a big party. 
because it's all there for you. And that's what the kingdom of God is really like for us, is God wants us to pursue His kingdom, to put that to make that the most important thing in our lives. And as we do that, God begins to add things to us. He begins to give things to us because when we begin to step into the kingdom, we step into a greater dimension, like Ruth stepped into that field, and she winds up marrying the richest man in town because she stepped into his field. She wasn't looking for a husband. She was looking for a next meal. Okay? That's all she was looking for, the next meal. I've got to eat. We've got to eat. We can't just sit around here and die. I gotta get a meal, and she got the richest man in town. Had all the food she could ever eat. And see, that's how God is. He's the richest man in town. And if we can, you know, step beyond where we're at, step beyond our thinking, and begin to step in and, and really do what Jesus said to do, to seek first the kingdom, He will begin to add things to you. He'll be a give, begin to give you all these other things. Are y'all with me? You don't seem like you are. Anyways, uh, I struggled for a long time about the kingdom of God, trying to understand. Anybody ever struggle with that, the concept of the kingdom? Because we're not, we're Westerners. We're not, we're not from a, 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 a uh, what do you call a kingdom? A monarchy. We're not really familiar with that. So we, have, we don't have that kind of thinking in us. We're more of a democracy, you know, where you vote somebody in and vote them out. Well, you don't vote Jesus in and vote them out. You know, he's in charge. You get to decide if you want to be with him or not. That's, the, that's how it works. You get to decide if you want to be part of what he's doing or not. And so I really struggled for a long time. And God began to speak to me about the kingdom, about what the kingdom of God really is and what it really means uh, and how the kingdom of God can really change my, has changed my life and is changing my life. Okay, and begin to reveal to me this is how the Christian life is meant to be let, lived and, and walked out. I wanted to read Romans fourteen seventeen. It says, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It just tells us what it's not, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Well, let me just tell you a couple of things. One, uh, this is just a biblical fact that I personally love biblical facts. It's the only place in the book of Romans that Paul uses the word, the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? The only place. And he used it in other letters, like in Ephesians, the kingdom of Christ and God, and different places, but this is the only place he did. So I think it's kind of important. The, no, the other thing is, he says it's, it's uh, righteousness, joy in, in the Holy Spirit. Um. I'd like to just say to people this morning about the Holy Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit is important to you. You should be a Holy Ghost person. If you're not, you're a dummy. You're, you're missing it. You're missing the whole point of the Bible. Okay? Because the Holy Spirit, that's Christ's Spirit. That's the Father's Spirit. And when we, and what he, you can't, this is, whatever the Holy Spirit's doing is the kingdom. Whatever the Holy, and so when the Holy Spirit shows up in his peculiar, odd ways, you need to show up with him in his peculiar, odd ways. Because that's the kingdom of God. And if you don't do that, I'm just going to be honest with you, if you don't do that, you're making a mistake. You are not following Christ. You're following your ways. You're following your own. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry to have to be the bearer of that to some of you because I know some of you feel offended by the Holy Spirit all the time. You're offended because He doesn't act in a proper way. Well, really the truth is you're not acting in the proper way. That's what the Lord told me one time. I said, well, this, don't, this seems improper. He said, you're improper. That's what he said to me. You're improper, Byron, because you sit there when I'm doing something and you refuse to embrace it. That's improper. You're the improper person in this room. Well, I feel like I better get proper here now. (laughs) You know, and this is what Paul was saying here. That's why I use this. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's important. Most important person on the earth. When he shows up, he gets all the honor. When he shows up, we get in line behind him. I think you've got to commit yourself to being a Holy Spirit person. I, I think that's a decision we make. I'm, I'm committed to being Holy Ghost everywhere, all the time. You know, and I feel like that's a dangerous thing because I know there's stuff he's going to do that I'm not going to like. You know, still, and he's done a bunch of stuff that I didn't like at first. I started loving later, you know, and then when he quit doing it, I was like, oh... My life is no good no more. <laughs> All that crazy stuff the Holy Spirit was doing, it was so sweet. It's gone now. But I know He's going to do other things that's going to offend me again. Here's what your prayer should be. Lord, please show up. And if I don't like it, please help me get over it. You know? <laughs> that's, that's a good prayer. Anyways, the, it says the kingdom of God is not something flowing... In. That's what Paul was saying. It's not, flow, it's not something flowing in you. Okay? It's something that flows out of you. That's, now, this is important. It's eating and drinking. He said this, it has nothing to do with that. The kingdom of God has something to do that comes out of you. It's in you. The kingdom of God's not out here. It can be out here. You know one reason it's not out here? It's your fault. Because you're not releasing it. Because it's in you. That's what he said. He said, it's not about eating and drinking. All right, let me just say this. It's not about what you do. Okay? The kingdom of God is not about what you do. It's about something in you and let, letting that thing in you re- get released. Are y'all okay? He says it was about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So... I'll just spend the next 10 minutes talking to you about something I think you need to know about. That's righteousness. Because I think the church needs a revelation about righteousness. Because I don't think we have a revelation about righteousness. I would say probably half the people in this room don't know what righteousness means. You probably got some bad definition. But let me just say something to you about righteousness. Righteousness has nothing, zero, let me say zero, zero, zero to do with what you or I do. Nothing. It's nothing. Don't forget doing. That's why he was saying it's not about eating and drinking. It's not about actions. It's not about whether you do good or do bad. It has nothing to do. That's a lie from hell. It's a lie that you believe your righteousness is based on what you do. Now that's really the problem in the church is we think we've got to do certain things to be righteous. And you may not consciously think that but if you're like most people, you really believe that in your heart because when you really mess up, you don't feel right. You feel separated from God. And there's a reason for that. But righteousness really means this. It means to be in right relationship. That's what righteousness means. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God 
Paul said, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, also seek first His righteousness. Because so righteousness in the New Testament is really vital. It, it's absolutely vital. You can't be a healthy Christian without having a revelation of righteousness. You might have some old sorry theological understanding of righteousness. That's not going to change you. It's not going to help you. But when you get a revelation of His righteousness and what that really means to you, what it really does for you, it can change everything about your life. It'll make you bold as a lion to have a real revelation of righteousness. And I think the church has ate up with religion and lies that has told people. And I think God is saying, I'm getting kind of, kind of over that. I'm getting kind of over that. And so people mess up and they get beat up because they messed up. It's a legal term that means to position oneself right, rightly. Jesus came to make us righteous, to position us in a right relationship with God. That's what He did. That's what He did on the cross. He positioned us. That's why I said, if you don't know Christ, listen, this is what He wants to do. He wants to position you in a right relationship with God the Father who owns everything there is to own. In a right relationship where you can have access to everything that's in heaven. That's what righteousness will do for you. It is totally amazing. But we think, oh, if I'm righteous, if I read the Bible every day, well, it has nothing to do with it. There's people who don't even know the Lord that read the Bible. They study it like their life depends on it. They can quote verses to you all day. They know nothing about the Lord that wrote those verses. Y'all Okay. 1 Corinthians 1.30, listen to this. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Everybody in this room would say, we got the redemption. Christ is our Redeemer. But how many in this room really can tap into wisdom? How many in this room are tapping into sanctification? How many in this room are tapping into righteousness? His righteousness. And really believing this. You know the people who really are doing it? You know, I'm going to tell you the people who are really doing it. I found this out. It is people, it is drug addicts, it's alcoholics. They understand that scripture better than any of us smooth, comfortable Christians because they are desperate in their hearts because they have an addiction that has rewired their brains and they crave something they can't overcome and they need something beyond themselves to be able to live the life that they believe the Bible. And so you preach on Christ being your life, they get it. Because they realize they've got to have that to live an alcohol or drug-free life. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. They're the ones. They're the ones because they know. They know. They're the ones who are really destitute of their own power within. They know there's no answer in me. There's no answer in me to do right, to not drink or not do the drugs or go have sex or watch pornography. I can't not do it. They know there's only one answer for me. It's either give myself over to that and just go on down the tubes or find this person. Find this person. So 
Second Corinthians five twenty one. For am I being too too crazy? Uh, for he, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the cross. That we have he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that we might be rightly related to God. This morning, I don't care if you committed a bad sin last night. If you're in Christ, you're rightly related to God. And see, the devil's telling you you're not. I'll get to that in just one second. Okay? I just want to make sure you understand this about righteousness. It's not about your performance, good or bad. Period. I don't care. I don't care. Don't care what anybody says. Don't care. I want, to, I want to say this. I don't care what anybody says. It's not about what you or I do. Righteousness has nothing to do. I don't care. Get up and go out and sin. It has nothing to do. You, you get that? I mean, you cannot believe it. It's up to you. But here's what I'm believing. It has nothing to do with what I do or don't do. Whether I'm a good boy or a bad boy. Whether I'm mean to Becky or not, I'm righteous. Period. Period. That's what the Bible teaches, period. It doesn't tie righteousness to performance. And what the devil does, he ties righteousness to performance. And that's why he wears people's rear end out all the time. Now, there's an answer for all that. But we're not talking about the answer because once you get a revelation of righteousness, performance is not the, not the primary thing in your life anymore. Well, you know, the Bible says this. For this is Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, here's, here's the point. I'm about out of time. Okay, listen. If you don't believe you are righteousness based on the gift of righteousness, eventually your actions are going to line up with what you believe. Okay, this is, this is how you answer your sin problem. It's your believing. If you believe you are righteous in Christ, you're in right relationship with God, eventually your actions will line up with that. If you don't believe it, your actions are going to line up with what you don't believe. Well, I'm not righteous. Eventually you're gonna, you'll, you'll just start doing those bad things. You'll keep doing those bad things. Does that, is that clear? As a man thinks... In himself, so is he. You will become what you think. You will become what you think. If you think you're righteous, you'll become righteous because you're, you're connecting with the reality that's in you. Y'all just looking at me with the frowns on your face. But it's, it's a revelation. It's a revelation in your heart. See, that's how you live a sin-free life. That's how you live. A, that's what these, these drug addicts and alcoholics are starting to figure out, the ones who get this revelation of righteousness. They start believing something different about themselves. They believe they're righteous, whether they get drunk as a skunk. Okay? But their belief leads them away from wanting to get drunk. It leads them away from that. Well, they don't want to because they're believing something else about themselves. And they start living the righteous lifestyle. Not based on trying to be righteous, but based on because they know they are righteous. Can I just give you one more thing that would really be good? It's about your conscience. Y'all, everybody knows about their conscience, right? 
Do y'all know what the conscious is? And anybody in the room understand what the conscious is? It's one of the most perplexing things for me for so long. But all right, I'm going to read this. I wrote it down because it's... And then I'm going to read, I'm going to read you two versions of conscious. The first one is sort of the, the nice version. The second one is the, the better version, I think. Listen to this. Our conscious gathers information from two sources. Your spirit, man, or your soul. One's internal, one's external. That's where your conscious gets information from, those two places. Okay? These two voices make up our conscious. Our conscious is made up of two voices. The voice of your spirit. Or the vo- and the voice of your soul. That's what creates the conscious, okay? The witness of the Spirit within us is saying to you, you are righteousness, you are righteous because you are in Christ. That's what your Spirit's going to tell you that because that's what the Holy Spirit says to your Spirit. You're righteous. So that's what your Spirit's saying. But then your soul says, no, I am not righteous because I yelled at Becky and treated her badly this morning. Okay? So you have this conflict. That's where your conscience comes in. There's a conflict with inside of you. One, there's an argument within you. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? And so your conscience resides on your heart. That's where it sets at. Okay? And so there's this internal conversation going on between your spirit and your soul. One is saying one thing. The other may be saying another thing. Okay? One's saying you're righteous. One's saying you're not righteous. You act like a jerk. How could that be righteous? You're an idiot if you think that. That's what your conscience says. That's why you can train your conscience. Conscience can be trained. You stop listening to the voice of your spirit long enough, your conscience is going to get trained in a bad way. Does that make sense? Okay, now let me read you this wonderful version here. This comes from Arthur Burt. I love this. He says this. this. He's explaining what I just said. Each of us is like a house. We have a spirit that is made alive by the Holy Spirit of God. We call that spirit the fanatic in the attic. Okay, I love that fanatic. The fanatic in the attic can see from the heights and around corners and with unlimited visions with his bird's eye view. Each of us also has a mind which may be brilliant in the natural realm, we call it the fella in the cellar. That's your mind, the fella in the cellar. Okay? Because it cannot see above ground level. It cannot see in the spirit. The fella in the the cellar knows nothing about the future and can only make decisions according to the sense knowledge. That's what we're guilty of, is making decisions according to sense knowledge. Listen to the, this fella. It's a servant but would like to be the boss. It's the servant but would like to be the boss. There's also the guy in the middle. This, that's your heart. He's the guy in the middle. The heart must decide which to follow. See, that's where your conscience is. See that? It's gonna, your heart has to decide, which one am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to the fanatic in the attic? Or am I going to listen to the feller in the cellar? And that's where the, the, the voices are speaking inside of you. The feller in the shell, cellar that shouts the loudest or the fanatic in the attic. The, the fanatic in the attic sees the spirit and wants to follow God's call, but the feller in the cellar with its limited sight fearfully struggles against the fanatic. Fearfully struggles against the fanatic. The heart will have to choose which to obey. 
And see, that's our choice today. And that's where I think the church has made the wrong choice over and over and over. We're consumed with listening to sense knowledge. We let that be the ruler of our lives. And that voice that's coming from your spirit gets less and less and less because he'll eventually just be quiet. That's why I say your conscience can be trained. As we grow in the Lord and begin to delight in His will, our hearts will learn to follow after the Spirit. Thus the mind realm bows to third place, but eventually becomes enlightened with the revelation. The Spirit allows the light to enter, and revelation reaches the mind with illumination. So, in terms of righteousness, your spirit, the fanatic and addict, is screaming at you or whispering at you, saying, you're righteous, you're righteous, you're righteous, you're righteous, because you're in Christ. God, He's made you right with God. He made you right with God. You didn't make yourself right with God. He did. But your soul was saying, no, you are not, because you didn't read the Bible this morning, you sorry rascal. And then when you did read it yesterday, you weren't paying attention. You were just going through the motions. You don't even know what book you read yesterday or what chapter if you happen to be good at remembering things. But you can't remember what I was saying to you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Every one of us in this room do. And see, what God wants to do is He wants to convince you, first of all, that you're righteous. He wants to let you know that it's in the Bible it's a settled fact, biblically. And he wants it to become a settled fact in your life. Because when it becomes a settled fact in your life, your life is going to change. That pornography that you can't overcome, suddenly you're going to like, mm, you know what, I think I don't need that. I think I don't need that. Or that alcohol, I don't think I'm just not going to do that. It's just not worth it. Or whatever. It may be a less benign thing that you're into than alcohol or drugs or pornography or whatever it is you know the way you overcome that is knowing who you really are and knowing who you really are begins with knowing that you are righteous because everything else that you've learned from there if you don't know that it's going to be wrong I don't care what it is anyways I'm going to stop because it's seven minutes after I hope the Lord spoke to somebody this morning. Hey, I wanted us to, uh, Dwight, can you stand? Will you stand up? I feel like the Lord wants to really do something for you this morning. Okay, and I wanted us to take a time as a congregation and people around here and put your hands on Dwight. I want to say this about Dwight. Dwight is a good guy. Dwight loves the Lord. Dwight is very aware of people, people's needs, he cares about people. He loves people. He has a father's heart in him. And the enemy has really went after you, both of you guys. And I saw that the Lord was saying that he was wanting us to put a stop to the enemy's plan over your life, Dwight, and curse the enemy's plan. And so, Lord, that's what we do today. We declare that you, your plan for Dwight is a plan of prosperity, a future and a hope, a plan of peace. 
And even though he's on the senior side, he still has a lot to live and a lot to give. And we want to honor him today. And Lord, I just want to say right now in the name of Jesus, I just take authority over that thing I saw the enemy wanting to do to him. I just break the commission of the enemy off in Dwight, taking advantage of him. And Lord, we just we speak healing to his body and to his mind in the name of Jesus. And we just say, Dwight, I, we want you to know that the Father loves you. You know that. We want you to know that you're important in the body of Christ. But we want you to know it on a practical level that I believe you're important. And I really am glad you're in this church. You help this church be what it is. You're important. Don't ever think you're not. You never say nothing out. But you're important. You're vital. And I just want to say that and declare that over your life today. And I pray that God would help you believe that more and more. And just be free to be who you are. Because who you are is, is precious to the Lord. It's precious to the Lord. So, Lord, thank you for Dwight. We bless him. Lord, let him get healed quick of these knee replacements and in his, in his body where he can really live the life now that you have for him. In Jesus' name, amen. And I wanted to... Um, I know... I just wanted to offer anybody this morning an opportunity. I'd like to, for the ministry to come up here. If you struggle in your life about your relationship with the Lord, but you don't feel like you measure up, you don't feel like you're worthy or whatever it is, and you're just, you just struggle with that. Now, we all have at some point. I know I, had, I did for years. I just never felt like I could quite get over the thing until I began to get this revelation of, of righteousness in my life and begin to see that that was settled for me. It's all settled and it's not about my actions. Just settle the thing in you that's right and then God will begin to settle the issues of your life. He'll begin to settle your how you treat people and if you have sin problems, He'll begin to settle those things and address those things one by one for you. And free you of those things. Because don't get me wrong, I am definitely against sin. And I do not in any way condone anybody sinning. You know, that's because sin separates us from the Lord. And, why, and the reason it does is because our conscience, I didn't read the scripture, but Hebrews 10.22 says, it says, the blood of Jesus will cleanse your heart from an evil conscience. Okay? So your conscience can become evil when we listen to the wrong voice, the soul voice, the lying voice that says you're... But the blood will wash that off in your heart so your heart can be free of that. That's what it does. In your heart, no longer you're no longer feel condemned inside of you, but you're free inside of you. You're free because you are in right relationship with God the Father. And because you're in that right relationship with Him, you can begin to be, get free to live your life, the life that He desires for you to live, a godly life, a righteous life. That's the truth. That's really the truth. That's the way to overcome all sins is that. The Bible says in Romans 5, 17, it's the gift of grace and righteousness, we can be victorious in life. Grace empowers us. So if you want to come up this morning and receive prayer about it, please don't not do that. Please come if you struggle with that. 
don't act like you don't struggle if you do. Because it's vital for you to be and live the life that God wants you to live and be. And God has no condemnation on any level for anybody in Christ. None. He just, He's just not a condemner. He's a redeemer. Amen? So, Father, I want to bless this church this morning, bless these people. That's the people of the church, every one of us. And I pray for them. I just ask you to free everybody in this room today from thinking they're not righteous, thinking that they don't have a right relationship with you when you went to the cross for us to have that. When you allowed yourself to be tore apart to have a right relationship with you. I pray that for everybody that get the revelation. Revelation, not just in their minds, but in their hearts. They would know deeply, Lord, that you have declared them righteous. And you're saying, I love you. I have a right relationship with you. Will you come and enjoy that relationship? Just come and enjoy that. Begin to live in that. Begin to know that. That's what the Father's saying. In a deep way. And I promise you, when you do that, your life will change. Your life will change. I promise you. The heavens you will see opened over you. So if you want to come up now and and receive prayer, please come on up. Don't wait for your neighbor to get up here. You come on up in front of them. And for those who need to be dismissed, Lord bless you and... Have a great week in the Lord.